Ernest, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy-to-use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, their real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. The number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All right, guys. Welcome back. Earn your leisure. This is a, a very highly requested uh -huh. episode, special episode for a few different reasons. So we're looking forward to it. For yeah, a long you know, time. one thing with Earn Your Leisure <laughs> is that we're not your typical business podcast. We cover everything. We cover a lot of things that deal with pop culture that your typical business podcast don't don't talk about. And one thing, I mean, we can't talk about pop culture without talking about the sneaker culture. Yeah, sneaker culture is a it's a it's actually a billion dollar industry, two billion dollar industry. They said within the next ten years, it's going to be a six billion dollar industry. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just crazy to see sneakers become actual commodities in a lot. It's like assets, like people yeah. are trading sneakers, buying sneakers, holding that's them. How, that's how people should look at them. They're, they're, some of them, I mean, they're wearable, but they are commodities in a sense, right? Because the value goes up and down depending on the rarity of it. Yeah, so, you know, when we do episodes, we try to get experts in the field to, to talk about these different subject matters. And um, so we knew, we, all right, we're going to do a sneaker episode on yeah. sneakers for all the sneaker heads out there, sneaker collectors. And, um, you know, I was thinking, like, who could we bring on? And then I'm like, you know what? I actually know one of the know top leaders <laughs> in the field when it comes to, to, to the whole sneaker culture. And it's crazy. It's crazy how life works. So I knew him for years. Like we actually went to high school together, went to prep school together <laughs> in yes, Winchington, Winchington, Massachusetts, the winch. Yes, sir. So it's yes, crazy. Sir. Like we always talk about networking and the power of networking and you never know. So 
Yeah. Me and Mike went to high school together. He's probably like 17, 18 years old. And uh, we was both from New York at the time. And we went to this 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 little, well, it, it wasn't little. It was little as far as the amount of students that was there. But it was a nationally ranked program, like one of the top prep schools in the country at that time. And all these D1 players, shout out to Francisco Garcia. Shout Word. out to Curtis Stinson. Ooh. Yes, sir. Shout out to, who else was there? My man from um, Australia, Mike. What was uh, it? We have Mar- Martin Edie. Martin we Edie. Had, uh, Demario Eddins, Demarty. Cody Herring, yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a lot of dudes. So it man. was like it was like twelve high level D one players, and um, so it was crazy. So me, like you know, coming from just a regular public school, Westchester, Shout out like to you the know, town. what I'm saying, like <laughs> I definitely hadn't played on that level of competition before. Like it was crazy for me to even be in that environment, and um, I made friends with pretty much everybody, but a few of the guys was like really, really I became close with, and my man Mike was one of the my closest friends up there when I was in prep school. We right. always worked out. He had a tremendous work ethic. He always was shooting jump shots all the time. We used to go to the gym at like 4 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock yes, in the morning. <laughs> Me, you, and Andrew. We actually did Andrew's podcast yeah, too. Shout, shout out to the full shout, court. Shout out to Drew. So, you know, a few years after, you know, we leave and we, we all go our separate ways in life. And um, probably like six or seven years ago, before I even got on social media or anything like that, I'm thinking about, uh, this is the first time I'm really hearing about YouTube, like how you can make money on YouTube. I didn't really know about nothing like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm just on YouTube and I forgot how I got turned on to the situation, but I realized that Mike had developed an alter ego called Mr. Fomer Simpson. It's crazy. Cause and, I, said, I said, yo, I know this guy. Yeah. Like, I, I was watching this guy and then you told me you knew him. I'm like, oh, you know this dude? Like, I'm following yeah. him. I'm passionate about speaking. Yeah, then he had like, at that time he had like 100, 200,000 subscribers years ago way before YouTube was really a wave. Like right. he was early on YouTube and I'm like, oh, he's doing his thing. And he was like making these videos about sneakers. And I st- I'm like, yo, why is he doing sneaker reviews? Like, you <laughs> know what I'm saying? Like I didn't really understand because I'm still yeah. not really a sneakerhead. Troy's a sneakerhead. Die hard. But then as the years went on, I realized how big of an industry sneakers were. And then I realized how big of a brand he had. So yes, today he has 538 YouTube subscribers, 140,000 um, followers on Instagram. And like I said, I mean, if you're in the sneaker culture, you mention his name, they know who he is. So it was fitting that, like I told him, I haven't, we haven't actually had a conversation in probably over 10 years. Like we ain't speak, I haven't seen him face to face in a long time. And now we have one of the top business podcasts in the world. He's one of the top sneaker influencers in the world. And um, yeah, humble beginnings from a, a little prep school <laughs> in Massachusetts. So first Word. and foremost, Mike, man, thank you for, uh, for joining us. I appreciate it. Man, thanks for having me. I'm I'm uh, really excited. You know, I've been following what you guys have been doing and and love everything that you're doing. So uh, it's an honor to be here, man. Dope. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So all right, let's get in. Let's get into it. Before we're gonna talk about the sneaker culture and business, at what point? Because I didn't know you was a sneakerhead like that in school. I knew you had sneakers, but at what <laughs> point? Because like I said, you're early on and kind of like really on the cutting edge of of like bringing the sneaker culture to YouTube and the web and all that. How did right. this develop into actually you building an online community, a business? Like, was that just like happened by accident? Like, what what was the the point where you say, you know what, this is more than just me liking sneakers? I'm gonna build a community. Yeah, so it it kind of did happen on accident a little bit. So, growing up, like I didn't say, oh hey, I'm a I'm a sneakerhead. I'm just I'm from New York City, and and sneakers are a part of the culture. You know, even at that prep school, right? Like when we had to wear, you know, a, a tie and a blazer, like we still tried to get a little fresh sometimes, you know, like, <laughs> so um, I just grew up, 
you know, loving sneakers and wearing sneakers and being hoopers before anything else. I think growing up and, you know, Penny Hardaway and loving his sneakers and, you know, Iverson and loving his sneakers. And so it was kind of just um, organic as far as that goes. I was, it, it was hoop over everything for me. And so I had played overseas a little bit for a few seasons and I actually had knee surgery. And so I was just laid up. I was just at the crib and my brother was as well. We were living together. We both had knee surgery, just kind of the way it, it, it went. And I, I wasn't a YouTube guy at all. I didn't watch YouTube. And I forget what I was looking for on the internet or on YouTube, but I saw a sneaker video pop up. And I was like, wow, people, kind of your reaction, like you said, when you saw what I was doing, I saw someone reviewing a sneaker and I was like, a sneaker review. <laughs> so, and then I'm looking to my left and I got a whole closet, a whole wall full of sneakers. I'm like, yo. So I told my brother, I was like, yo, let's mess around. Let's make a couple of videos. We had nothing but time on our hands at that time. And we weren't looking at it like it was going to be a career. We weren't looking at it necessarily with uh, an agenda or even goals in mind. We kind of were just uh, passing the time and it was more so like a hobby thing. And I think a combination of a couple of different factors, it just started to to pick up and pick up and pick up. And then, and then we were like, wow, like maybe we got something here. And so then we started branching off a little bit and, and, and monetizing and looking at it from the business side of things too. And, uh, and now we're here. So, you know, feel very fortunate to be able to work and make money with something that I kind of grew up on, but um, yeah, it's been dope, man. What, what, which like factor? You said there was some factors. Which factor uh, contributed to the to, to the launch? Was it like a shoe that you had? Or was it the rarity of it? Yeah, I, well, I I think the the timing of it, where we 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 got into it at a certain time. Like YouTube had it had been around, and it, this was like seven years ago. So it had been a thing, but sneakers on YouTube were still, it was still in its infancy, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't polished up. It was mostly like, you know, running gun dude shooting on webcams or on their laptops and, and sitting in a bedroom and it wasn't really polished. And so, uh, and we were far from polished too, when we first started. But, um, so I think the timing of it worked out well for us. I think the fact that I had and have my brother, you know, the, the channel is Mr. Former Simpson, but it's it's a two-man thing. So having him and having a teammate to kind of rock with. And then the fact that, yeah, early on, we did what we had to do to get the stuff that people wanted to see. The, you know, the, the really, really limited stuff, the really, really hyped up stuff. And so I think those were some. And, and then the fact that my brother and I both, just our personalities and the way we work, um, and I think it's something that's carried over from basketball. I just, I don't really know how to do the in-between thing. Like for me, if I'm in on something and, and even though we started as a hobby, it was right away. We were like, yo, how do we make the quality better? You know, I'm thinking like, damn, how can I do the on-screen thing better? How, how do we create better content? Even though it was only a hobby, I think just my natural personality um, kind of pushed us to really work hard at it. And so I think all of those things together 
uh, put us in a pretty good spot. Now, it's crazy you say that because it's like a lot of stuff that I learned in basketball, I still carry over in business and life. And one of the yeah. biggest lessons, I never really liked Burns. He was our coach. <laughs> But shout out to him, you know. Shout out to Burns. Throw him under. Let bygones be bygones after all these years. All's forgiven, right? All's forgiven. <laughs> uh, but one thing that he really, he really, really taught me, and it was like, I don't know if you remember, but um, if you came 15 minutes beforehand, anything after 15 minutes early was late. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if you came five minutes, like if practice started at four and you came at 3.55, you was late. And the reason I understand that now, because it's like, you got to prep. You, we can't start a podcast at four and get here at four. Right. We got to like, you know what I'm saying? So it's like little stuff like that really, really carries over. And like, like, I understand what you're saying as far as like, I feel like, you know, all of us, but especially for athletes, once you get, it's hard to really halfway do anything because you, you, you still got that competitive spirit in you. You want to be the best at what you do. So let's, let, let's jump into um, the actual sneaker culture for people that might not be aware. Cause it's crazy. I got a son. And he's not, and thankfully he's not in the sneakers yet, same, saving me a lot of money. I'm, I'm not as lucky. Yeah. So I, I, to, I told him, I told him he was doing an episode today on sneakers, and he's like, "Why are you doing an episode on sneakers? Nobody's gonna watch that." I'm like, "Why?" He's like, "Nobody cares about sneakers." I'm like, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about." <laughs> so, so sneakers is a billion dollar industry, yeah. um, and the highest sneaker ever sold actually was recently five hundred and sixty thousand for autographed Jordan One. Um, so there's a whole like stock exchange for people that might not be familiar with sneakers. It's yeah. called StockX. And, um, so that's like, it's similar to the stock exchange. Like yeah. they have bid prices, ax prices. You want to yeah. talk about it? Yeah. So if you go to StockX and we're not promoted by them, but we, I, I have used the site. So we got to start looking at sneakers as commodities, like we said earlier. So they, they have prices, they have an ask price, like you said, a bid price. And then you can see the transactions of the past year or so like so when we watch a chart on the stock market we can watch the chart of how the value of a shoe we can also see if it's depreciated or if it's appreciating right so it's a good thing like we always say like yo if a, if a shoe if a pair of jordans was eight thousand dollars would you buy it if it was on sale for sixty dollars would you buy it right you got to know your end price so like it is a stock exchange in a sense which which is why they call it stock x um, and it's, I mean, it's a pretty good site and it, it also does something that a lot of people weren't doing. And I was a victim of this is they authenticate the shoe. So authenticating the shoe is extremely important, right? Cause prior to this, and, and I'm sure you probably, maybe you fell victim to it too, but it was eBay and Craigslist. <laughs> yeah, That was uh, it. It, it. It's, it's people were definitely getting got. And as time has passed, the, the, the fake pairs have gotten so much better. It used to be you could spot a fake from two blocks away. You could say, yo, <laughs> but um, now they've gotten so good that you, you know, you really do need uh, something in place to kind of protect you in that regard. So uh, yeah, StockX does a great job with that. So are, do, do people, are, cause I, I've seen that the game is, so there's like resellers yeah. who like buy a pair of sneakers for a hundred dollars and then they resell it on the market for 300 because it's a limited quality. But yeah. I, so it's, it's like two sneaker markets. There's like, the actual global sneaker market, and then there's a reseller right. market. So like I think right. when you said like the $2 billion market, that's like the reselling market where people buy it in bulk and then they sell it for a markup. You know what I'm saying? So if that pair of shoes was $199, like a pair of Yeezys is $200, right? By the time it gets to StockX or one of these sites, Stadium Goods or Flight Club, that same shoe is now going to be like 500 minimum. So that person is going to make a three hundred dollar profit on the shoe. Yeah. So can you talk about that, Mike? As far as you don't you don't resell, but obviously you're familiar with it because you're in the culture. Right. Are people still doing that? And how much money can can somebody actually make being a being a reseller? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And, and it's probably the thing that I get messaged and, and the most about on social media is like, yo, because everyone thinks, yo, get rich quick, just get a couple <laughs> pairs of Yeezys and, and you know, you're in there. But and there is a ton of money in it. One of the reasons why I never really went in that direction. I mean, I have sold sneakers. I sold my entire collection a few years ago. But I read about that. Um, but it's in order to really make real money in that you have to get a lot of pairs. You can't go get, you know, a pair of Jordan retros on Saturday and think that that can be your only source of income. You know, you, you have now if you go get a hundred pairs or 50 pairs on Saturday, and now it's 50 or a hundred bucks profit on each pair. Now you, you can do the math and you can say, okay, there's some real money coming in here, but it's, it's definitely something that you have to get a lot of pairs to make it worth it, in my opinion. And then the more, you know, about the ins and outs, the, like, like any field, the, you know, the different little nuances and stuff, the, the more successful you'll be. Um, and I think maybe the biggest thing is to be able to predict, you know, I've heard you guys talk about real estate before and, and different stuff like that, you know, and obviously we've been talking how it's similar to stocks. If you can predict when a sneaker is going to take off or when it's going to crash, like for example, um, did you guys watch that Jordan documentary? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Of course. Right. So man, he, he, he wore a pair of sneakers. I, I don't even remember which one it was. Maybe it was the Chicago ones. And I went to StockX the next day and they were up like five, 600 bucks from where they were. Same thing. It I was, did the, it, I did the same crazy. exact thing. So if you, if you were smart now, I wasn't, but if you were smart, go, go, go buy 50 pairs and then anticipate the boom and then cash out. And so if you can predict the way things are going to go, which is never something that I've invested a lot of time or energy into. But if you are able to do that, then like you said, there's, there's, there's tons of money in it. It's, it's, it's a huge industry. Mike, I guess the big question is, and I know there's like an insight, a lot of people know people like district managers of stores, so they get paid. How is somebody getting 50 pairs? Like I've come from that era where you waited in line on Saturday, right, right. <laughs> right? And then if you were able to get into the store, you got one. Then it turned into like, if you had a raffle ticket, then you can get it. Now we're dealing with bots. And if anybody doesn't, you wanna explain what a bot is in the sneaker culture? Yeah, sure. A bot is basically something that you run on your computer to help you check out lightning fast so that you can beat uh, you know, the person who's there at their computer doing it manually, trying to put in their credit card info and boom, you already got the sneaker and you're already you know, uh, down the virtual block, so to speak. But um, I, as far as how resellers get the stuff that's not something that I, i'm necessarily too privy to because i don't do it but sure you could have uh bots you could have i've seen people here locally just go out in force like basically uh or in numbers i should say they'll go line up at a skate shop uh for a pair of nike sbs and they'll just line up 50 deep, you know, maybe they'll bring out, you know, some high school kids or, you know, some people who are just hanging around the store and pay them 20 bucks or 40 bucks and, you know, have them stand that spot online because there are some places and some sneakers where you can still do first come first serve. Then there's the bot stuff. Then maybe 
you know, it's kind of like a pay-to-play thing. You could, uh, you know, go to a, a sneaker boutique or, you know, a, 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 a mom and pop maybe, and, you know, maybe they'll let the pairs go early. And, um, you know, so say maybe you get 20, 30 pairs, but you have them early and now you can mark them up even more. So I think there's different angles that you can attack it from as far as getting the product in hand. It's people assume because, you know, we have the YouTube channel and, and that I'm, you know, touching and reviewing sneakers every day that, you know, there's some like, you know, uh, red carpet in front of the, the studio down here where they just, you know, toss me all the limited uh, sought after sneakers. And, and that's not really the case. A lot of times I got to pay the resale price on it myself just to get it so we can, you know, do the video on it and, and, and get the product in hand. So um, there have been other times where I'll go to a local resale shop here and do the video on said sneaker and, and then give the sneaker back sometimes. So sometimes I'll get lucky and, and, you know, I'll get a pair at retail, you know, online or however it goes, but it's getting the product is, is, is definitely, um, one of the biggest obstacles as far as someone getting into that line of work. Yeah, I read somewhere where it's become a lot harder now because, um, yeah, a lot of places you can only buy one pair at a time. They limit you, yeah. Right. They limit you online. Then if you try to buy it on, like the Yeezys, you can't even buy them, like, retail. <laughs> like, they sell out so quickly. It's limited edition. Mm -hmm. um, so it's become, so the counterfeit market I've actually read is actually booming. Crazy. And they've become really good. Like you said, sometimes you can't even tell the difference between counterfeit. So the counterfeit, is that all coming out of like China or is the counterfeits like just all over everywhere at this point and you just really don't know? Cause they said like, it's sometimes you really don't even know if it's yeah. if it's real or not. I think they seized like a, uh, there was like a $17 million seize at the border. Like they, they got a, a shipment of just fake Jordans. $17 million. I, think I saw that. It was crazy. Yeah, no, I, I, I think they are mostly from China. I'm not um, super familiar with it cause we completely stay away from it. There's been um, other, sneaker YouTube channels that have dove much deeper into that where, you know, maybe they'll compare a real pair and a fake pair or try to educate people in that regard or, or whatever. So they've got their hands on the, the fake pairs, but we don't really do anything in that regard. But yeah, I think, I guess they've got, you know, big factories over in China and, and they're getting better and better at at making them look damn near identical. Well, they probably make them in the same factory they make the real ones. Yeah, okay. I mean, they, just, they're really good. Because it's like, this, yeah. it's a factory in China that's making the real ones. So right. what's the difference between, they'll just put some aside for fake? They actually probably are real. Yeah. Now this dude's making <laughs> billions. They, they had a, uh, Vice had a, a whole uh, show on, on the, the fake retail market. This dude's I making millions. That, yeah. yeah, he's making millions of dollars and everybody knows it. But the thing is like, yo, I could just fit in with this 15 pair of, uh, $15 pair of sneakers, or I could have the $180 pair of sneakers. They're going to look the same. And when I walk out the side, you're not going to know the difference anyway. Nah, but that, you know what? That's crazy, though, what you said as far as like um, predicting events. Because that reminds me of the stock. Like we look at, we buy mm -hmm. a stock and we like, all right, iPhone 13 is about to come out. So we predict that Apple's stock price is going to go up. It's all an educated guess. We don't really know or not. So I never really looked at it as far as sneakers in the same capacity. But yeah, you could say, okay, like, let's say that, you know, LeBron decides he's going to retire after this season. Right. Then the last sneaker that he puts out, hypothetically, yeah. could be 
more valuable because he's not going to put out any yeah. more that, that literally happened this year with the untimely death of Kobe Bryant. Yeah, Kobe. So, like, Kobe, like Kobe passed, and now if you try to get any Kobe shoe, uh, any of the 13 or 14 ones he put out, they're over $400 each. Like, whereas when he was alive and playing, that wasn't the case. Like, you could buy a Kobe shoe. Outside, like, the Kobe 9s when he came out the high top and it changed, it was, like, it was affordable to do. And now it's, like, yo, $400 at the minimum. So, but, Mike, yeah. let, me, let me ask you this. Sure. What is the, what is the how does sneakers actually get value? Because to me it's a little confused. Like I said, I'm not a sneakerhead, but I saw you did a review on your on your page a few days ago with the off white something. Off white fives. Yeah, it looked it looked like it was it was a dope sneaker to me, but she was like, you can actually get it for a cheaper price now. So it seems to me like the randomest sneakers just go up crazy. Like, is there like a rhyme or reason to why sneakers are valued at what they're valued on the secondhand market? I I think it's just what the consumer kind of pushes it to and, and, or lets it drop to, you know, it, it really is. And and that's why sometimes you'll see people, you know, complaining about prices and, and even me, sometimes I'm like, man, I can't, I want that sneaker, but I'm not going to pay that. But it's us who set the market, you know, it's supply and demand like anything else. And obviously certain sneaker releases are more limited. So already the supply is low. So then if the demand is even up a little bit, it, it's going to be something, it's going to reflect that in the resale price of the sneaker. So it's, it is something that's pretty hard to predict. Like I said, it's not, to me, it would be a headache. You know, like I know if, if that's something that you're doing for a living, which I know plenty of people who do do that and do very well for themselves. But to me, that would be, it's too wishy-washy for me. It's too, like, I like to, be a little bit more certain about stuff. And so it's, it is really tough to predict sometimes, but you know, if you really have your ear to the street, so to speak, and by that, I mean, just really on social media, because that's what things are these days, you can kind of feel it starting to bubble, you know, like these Nike SB sneakers, you know, Nike skateboarding is something that several years ago were really popular. And then over the past few years, they kind of got stagnant. No one really wanted them uh, other than people who were skating in them, but they had no resale value. And now over the last year or so, it's just bananas. Like it was a pair um, that I had and they were reselling for like two grand and retails at like a hundred bucks. So it's, but about a year ago, you could feel it start to bubble. You know, you could, People were talking about them more. People were posting more. You could see, you could see the the resale prices kind of climbing a little bit. The releases being a little bit more hyped up. The sneaker blogs covering the stuff more. And so, you can you can feel it start to bubble. It's not like a complete shot in the dark, but it is something that you got to really be in tune with if uh, if that's how you're going to make your money. Yeah. So the the SB. I'm glad you brought that up because the SB obviously, and we're going to talk about the Ben and Jerry that you got. We we need to talk about that because I saw the post. Yeah. We're going to yeah. talk about <laughs> we got to talk yeah. about that. But the SB has, like you said, like a year ago came back um, and it, I, I feel like it was a Travis Scott effect. Like that's the power of influence. Like every time Travis Scott would put on the SB, whether it was the diamond or the ones he made, you would see right. that shoe go up. But prior to that, I think and maybe you, you can add to this. The one that changed the way sneakers looked at, I think it might, has to be the SB Pigeon, no? Well... I mean, that was that was one of the first sneakers that really 
created like a real, real craze, you know? And so, yes, but I think there's been an ebb and flow to sneakers. And I mean, really everything goes that way, but it's the things will be sky high and then, you know, they'll kind of gradually slide back down and then something will happen where it booms again. And I think what you said about Travis Scott is, is I think you really nailed it on the head, you know, especially now social media, like, I think that that's the ingredient that took sneakers from a much more, uh, niche, really much smaller group of people that really, really cared about it and really took it to where it's at now. I mean, social and, and a big part of that social media is like you said, the, the Travis Scott's of the world, the celebrities, you know, you got, um, Kylie, uh, Jenner on, on wearing SBs and, you know, a lot of sneaker people were upset because they were like, oh, she's not, you know. <laughs> she's getting she, them for free. <laughs> it, 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 well, well, yeah, and like, yo, she, she's new to this. and But the truth of the matter is they still have incredible influence. And when people start seeing that stuff on Instagram and they start saying, I want that sneaker, I want that one. And, and you know, now they're on StockX or now they're, you know, searching to you know, where they can find the sneaker. And so celebrities have really boomed things in my opinion and, and Instagram specifically and you know, just social media in general, I guess. So you, you spoke about um, not having the magic carpet where the sneakers are getting delivered to, to your, your door um, as a company. Right. Was there one that you said, you know what, I need to have this. And if so, what was the, the highest price you had to pay for that shoe? Okay, so it, it goes two different ways. Um, first is how much would I pay for a sneaker that I want to wear? You know, I, I want to wear it. I'm going to beat them up, and, and I'm just okay with that. And then how much am I willing to pay for a sneaker that I'm going to get, and we're going to create content around it, and then maybe down the line, I think it's gonna hold value and it will be something I can sell down the line. So even though I'm not reselling on a day to day and that's not how I make my money per se, there are still sneakers that, uh, that come and go. You know, So uh, the first part of that would be the Kobe 6 Grinch, which is that, you know, that really bright green pair of Kobe 6s. And it was, it, it's my favorite Kobe sneaker of all time. And uh, actually a few weeks before he passed, I said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I, and I paid like a thousand bucks for him and, and I got him. and we, we did the video, um, down here at the workshop and, uh, we actually posted it on Sunday morning. And then my brother and I went and hooped. And at, after we, my brother, left the gym first. And when I got over to the sideline, I was putting my stuff on and changing my sneakers. I looked at my phone and he told me Kobe passed. And, um, so it, it, it was just crazy how, how that worked. And, um, you know, now obviously, like you mentioned earlier, you know, you know, with him passing everyone devastated, but then there was obviously people who were still capitalizing on how many people wanted Kobe's at that point. So now the sneaker is like double that or, or, or triple that. So, um, that was, that's probably about the most I've spent on a sneaker to actually wear. 
And then as far as getting something that I knew would have some value down the line or down the road would be the Red October uh, Yeezys when, when, he was, when he was still with Nike. Yeah, and uh, can't remember exactly what I paid. It, it was a homie who looked out. So I think it, I think it was around 2000 and, and I ended up selling them for like maybe 4,500 or 5,000, you know, maybe a year later, something like that. Yeah, that's crazy. Like I said, if you look at it from start and how much are those now? Like 10,000 probably? The, the red October is probably 5,500 right now. 5,500. Yeah. I, I think depending on the size and that's another thing. Right. Too, that's true too. Yep. Yep. You know, depending, I, like, I think I wear a size 13. I think in my size, I think the lowest listing that I saw on StockX recently might have been close to ten grand. Yeah, yeah. that that's true. So, so like, the, the, sometimes when they when they put these things out, I can get a shoe for four hundred dollars if you were size thirteen, right. or if you got like a real small foot. The small know? foot is, is is that's tough. The small like sometimes like a size four and a half, and it'll be like double what any other size is. Yeah, and, and the thirteen makes a big difference too, because I wear a thirteen too, and it's like that's the last size that there's no half, so it's like there's no twelve and a half. Where there's mostly like, not. Mostly, mostly yeah. not. Mostly yeah. not. Yeah, yeah. So it's like 11, 11 and a half, 12. So after 12, it's like 12, 13, 14. So now it becomes harder and there's less sneakers. I think the most popular is like 10 and a half, something like that. Like the right. most yeah, like 9, size. 10, yeah. 9, 10, 11. Yeah. So, but not as crazy that, you know, but like I said, looking at it from a stock standpoint, you brought it, sold it for 4,500. That's like 2200 $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $2, $
All right, so yeah, so in this segment, this is this is the interesting thing about earning your leisure because it's like if you talk about businesses and there's so many different ways to make money in this world and so many ways to capitalize off of your passion mm-hmm. and sneakers is no different. A lot of times, like I said, people, I wanted to do this episode a little different because everybody knows about the resale aspect of it and that's the most obvious, but it's like the old adage says like the... The people that really made the most money during the gold rush wasn't the people that actually found gold. It was the people that like sold the picks and all of the utility stuff to the people that's looking for gold. Because mm-hmm. it's like there's so many people trying to resell sneakers. Only a select few is going to actually make money reselling sneakers. But all of the ancillary stuff, that's where nobody's really thinking about. And that's where I really like like what you're doing. So can we talk about that? Because it's like from the outside looking in, you got like a, a, a real like booming business operation going. So you do sneaker reviews. It reminds me of the kid, Ryan. You know Ryan? You ever heard Ryan. of him? Ryan made $55 million. Is he at 55 already? He made $55 million on YouTube last year, something like that. And he's the number one YouTuber. He's seven years yeah. old. And he he plays with toys. Oh, oh yeah. The toy review kid. Yeah, so yeah, everybody does, know him as a toy review so kid. So he does toy reviews. So when I see, like, I see you do sneaker reviews. So you do sneaker reviews. You have merch. You do, um, you got endorsement deals with, with companies. Like, you're, you're an influencer. Um, you probably do events and stuff like that. So... Right. Yeah, can you talk about that as far as like your your business model? Because yeah, you got a whole business around sneakers, and it's not it doesn't involve selling sneakers. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, no. Um, and I didn't go to school for business. My brother didn't go to school for business. You know, so uh, but we are from New York City, as you know, and and you know, so it's it's in our blood. And when we first started, like I like I mentioned, it was kind of a hobby, right? And then as things progressed and built a little bit, brands started reaching out. And so say, okay, we'll give you 500 bucks to, you know, review this sneaker and, and, you know, plug us in a video and let people know where they can go and buy them, et cetera, et cetera. So at the time we're like, all right, cool. But, but then we started to realize like, well, if the brands are willing to pay us, to show product why can't we just make our own product and just kind of like we don't need the brand you know as far as that goes really and so we created uh, uncivilized which is like you know a little streetwear brand that we started and you know we do really well with it man and it's we you know we keep it simple we we didn't try to reinvent the wheel or anything um, again, a, a lot of the stuff, well, really all of the stuff that my brother and I do, it's stuff that we've been passionate about. So I think when we implement it into kind of the business model, it works really well because we're passionate about it. You know, like my brother was printing on white tees when he was in like ninth grade and, you know, slinging them out of the cafeteria in high school, you know? So it's, it's kind of just a, a more advanced version of that and so yeah so we have the the brand deals and we also noticed as we grew the channel and got bigger and and talked to more brand people and stuff that those brands have a lot of money they got a lot of money for advertising and youtube is kind of like a new frontier in that regard because it hasn't been around for that long and i think brands are starting to realize you know, wow, this, you know, you, you hear this influencer word and, you know, I think sometimes it's easy to be like, you know, yeah, whatever. But I think brands are starting to realize 
especially certain people that, man, this is really, it's almost like guerrilla marketing. You know, it's like the, the, the way we saw advertisements growing up, it's different now, you know? And so, um, we realized that a lot of these brands had, had pretty big money that they could put into what we do. And so the, the brand, um, lane and, and angle is, is one way that, that we work and make money. The uncivilized clothing is, is another way. We, we even had a, a beard care company for a little while called beard necessities, where we were, you know, selling beard oils on Amazon. So, and we were kind of promoting it through, cause right. We've, we've built this audience and we've built this, this, um, this kind of this platform. So if you don't use that to your advantage, then I think you're leaving a lot of money on the table. And I, and I think that, you know, you're missing out. And especially, I think sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, if you're monetizing the audience, then, you know, that's whack. That's not cool. That, but we're not pushing stuff that, that we don't agree with. We're not pushing bogus products. You know, we're, you know, we rock with the brands that, that we align with and, and that our audience does too. So it's organic and it makes sense and we can make money and make a living at it. So there's a lot of different kind of, you know, little aspects, I guess, of the overall business model, but, you know, really the main thing is, goes back to one of the first things I said, which is we, we just try to outwork everybody, man. Like we, we love what we do. Uh, you know, we love each other, which is uh, really important. You know, I think sometimes people are like, oh, you work with your brother. You, you know, we live together too. You live with your brother. We, you know, I, you know, I would be ready to strangle my brother, but you know, f- for him and I, we've always had a, a great relationship. We don't fight. We don't argue. We, we love the same stuff. And so it's just worked out really well, um, you know, doing what we do. When, when you said the uh, brands are reaching out, when, are you talking about the actual brands? So we're talking like Nike, Adidas. Yeah. Re- okay. Because yeah. yeah. I mean, there's also partnership. Are you also doing partnerships with um, shoe accessories? So I'm thinking like shoe cleaning devices and things like that. Yeah. You know, we, we haven't done two. We have done some stuff with uh, shoe cleaner companies. We haven't done too, too much. We've done a lot of stuff with StockX. We've done stuff with the brand, like uh, Nike, Adidas. We've also done stuff with the retailer, like Finish Line, Foot Locker, something like that. So um, we've really kind of worked with them all at this point. What what we try to focus on, my brother and I, is n- number number one, it's it it is more authentic and organic to do it this way, in my opinion. And I think there's also a uh, there's more money in it as well. And that is trying to create and form long-term partnerships and relationships as opposed to one-offs. So as opposed to, you know, okay, uh, you know, say, you know, finish line. Okay. You give us X amount of dollars and, and we'll do this video for you. And then, okay, see you later. Now, when I talk to brands, I'm like, Hey, listen, let's, Let's try to create something that's a little bit more long lasting than that. I think it has more impact. I think it, it reaches the audience better. So now maybe we bump the price down, you know, a little bit, but maybe we do something for six months or a year, 
and it keeps us with with money coming in and it it, it keeps us working with the the brands who really kind of rock with us and it just I don't know I just feel like it's a it's a stronger way to do it uh, than all the the one-off stuff that you see sometimes. We, we talk we talk about the middleman a lot. So like people, we, we talked about what StockX is fundamentally, but really they're just the middleman between a buyer and a seller, right? And and they're making a profit off the commission of those sales. So how did that deal come about and when did it come about? Yeah, so I actually, the guy who, I guess you could say in, invented it, I actually knew him uh, through social media before it even was a StockX. And um, it was called Campless at the time. I think it was campless.com. And it was, no sneakers were being sold, but it was just all the numbers and the, the, the analytics and, you know, the stock market aspect and, and documentation of stuff. And he actually flew down here to, to Tampa and we grabbed lunch and talked about it. And he said, hey, like, I, I think I got something here. And, um, you know, you're a guy that that I want to work with just, you know, as things progress, if they progress. And so then he sold that to Dan Gilbert, I believe, and the owner of the Cavs, right? Yeah. So and then instantly uh, pretty much. Uh, Josh Luber is the guy's name. And so Josh reached back out to me and said, hey, look, um, we want to, he kind of filled me in on what was going on and said, yo, we want to uh, shoot a like kind of a internet commercial and, and we want you to be in it. And so we were like, cool. And uh, my brother and I flew out to Detroit. You know, they kind of toured us around and, and you know, uh, kind of showed us the ins and outs of the business. It, it, it's it was crazy. Even at that time, this was probably, I don't know, three, four years ago. Even at that time, it was, they had a bunch of employees, like they were already booming. And so we, we, we kind of were in on the, on the ground floor with them. And it's also the place that, that I was comfortable early on buying and selling sneakers myself. Like, like I mentioned, um, a few years ago, I sold my entire sneaker collection pretty much. And, you know, now I've accumulated just about as much again. But uh, so all of my unworn pairs, I sold them through StockX. And so it's, you know, we, we like to work with the brands and the companies who we use and, and even like, you know, personally who we rock with. Like, we don't want to put something out there that I'm then going to, you know, when I close the computer or close my phone, now it's something it's something different you know we, you know we kind of try to be uh authentic with it no i think that's important and it's like you know earn your leisure um it's a business podcast so we never apologize about making money like that's the whole point and i feel like a lot right. of times with creatives and content creators like what you said as far as like their community sometimes might feel away like are you making money but i think as long as you educate the people and you you're not trying to scam the people mm -hmm. They right. actually want you to make money because it's like you've providing value. Like you giving them a review is valuable to them. Like they trust you. They know you're not just going to give them a review on some nonsense. So it's like, right. all right, you saving me a trip to the store if it's not worth it. And it's like right. even with us on the educational when it comes to business podcast and stuff like that. But it's dope for content creators to be able to make a living 
off of creating content. Like even us now, like we create content pretty much for a living. Like you're creating content for a living. So how has that been as far as like, cause you, you're not like a tech guy in heart. I don't right. think like, you know what I'm saying? So you learn, but your videos <laughs> like, nah, your videos is really dope as far as the editing and all of that. And, um, so how did that come about as far as like, do you have an in-house team for editing and content or like, yeah, how's that happen? Yeah. So, uh, when we first started the channel, uh, like seven years ago, neither one of us knew what we were doing, uh, my brother or myself, and we didn't really know how it was going to go. Neither one of us were tech guys. Neither one of us were necessarily on screen guys. So he just really, really didn't want to be on camera. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll be on camera. I don't care. And then he kind of gravitated towards the editing thing and, you know, the camera stuff. And so he got really, really, really good at it, you know, to the point where, you know, I think hands down, he's one of the best in the space um, when it comes to, you know, the sneaker footage and, you know, getting the B-roll and, you know, he's gotten really, really good. And, you know, we have, we, we can afford good equipment now. And so it, it was just kind of a, a natural progression of things and us kind of pushing each other in kind of our respective lanes like you know with basketball like you got to do your job like you know if, if if you have you know some big center at the park who can't shoot but he wants to dribble the ball up the court and hoist up step back threes everyone's going to get irritated you know it's, it, it's not that's not conducive to winning but if you do what you're supposed to do then it works out really well. So he's he's pushed himself as far as becoming a better editor, and he's taken online uh, classes. And you know you can self-teach anything through YouTube these days. You just Google, you know, how to do blank, and you put it into YouTube, and you know a, a pretty good video will probably come up. So he's learned how to edit almost exclusively that way. And we did hire another guy for maybe like five six months. And he was a, he was a pro. He was incredible at videography. He was incredible at what he did. But ultimately, uh, we parted ways because it was, you know, my brother. He basically could do the same thing, and so it, it, it didn't. There's not anything. If we we bring a shooter in, or or we bring. Uh, a, a camera guy, it doesn't necessarily bump up the value all that much because my brother can do it. So we are looking to assemble a little bit of a team. I think big picture, that's the way we got to go with it for sure, because we got our hands full. And I think ultimately, you know, maybe we'll have a team of as many as like 10 people and we'll really be doing bigger and better stuff. But yeah, for now, it's just, it's just me and him and, you know, kind of just self-taught and, and just, you know, hustling and hustling. Yeah. P prior to Corona, um, I know there's sneaker conventions and we actually ended up, up at a convention. I know that the people have booths. Is that another way to earn income? Like when people pay for you to come to these conventions? You know, I think it definitely can be. I know that a lot of sneaker people, for lack of a better word, were, or, or sneaker influencers, were doing those events for free for a very long time. And I think the way they justified it or, or made it make sense was that when they were there, they would sell merch, 
or they would sell sneakers or they would somehow make money and make it profitable. So I know like um, SneakerCon, for example, they were flying in, you know, they would pay for the travel and stuff and they were bringing guys in to kind of show up and make an appearance basically. And then that was it, but they weren't really paying to have people go. So for me personally, I haven't been to a lot of sneaker events, believe it or not. You know, I've only, I've been to probably less than a handful. That's not something that I did growing up really. It's not something, like I said, growing up, I never was like, I'm a sneakerhead. So, <laughs> it, you know, it's never like, I just like to be fresh. I just like to have some, you know, some good feats. So, um, I, I've done a few and, and gotten paid for them, but it, it's so few and, and the money was good, but it's been so few and far between for me personally that it's never something that I could make a living on if it was that exclusive. You know, if, if that was my main income, it, it would be tough. Is there any stop to, to sneaker mania because it's been proven to be recession proof? It's been proven to be pandemic proof. It's crazy. They had a, a line. In, I think it was Chicago. Or something. Yeah. In the middle of Corona, they was like fighting with each other Yo, for crazy. some Jordans. So <laughs> like, it, yeah, is there any, is, do, is this ever, like it's only going up, huh? It's not, it's not slowing down, huh? It, it, it's not slowing down right now, but I think, you know, what goes up must come down. You know, I, I do think that there is ups and downs to everything. I've already seen it a little bit just in the time that we've, you know, technically worked in or, or with sneakers. There, ha there has been an ebb and flow to it, and there has been some peaks and valleys, but I think the general trend has pretty much been steadily, steadily, steadily up. So we'll see. I, I think that there will be a crash eventually, but it's kind of like, you know, my brother bought a house recently and it's like we had been waiting for a few years because all the real estate experts that we talked to, we definitely aren't experts. They were like, well, you know, the market's going to crash soon. It's going to crash soon. And so we're like, all right, cool. And the crash didn't come. So it's, it, so it's kind of the same thing with sneakers. Like I, I think at some point there will be a crash, but I don't know when that's going to be. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be, in a year, maybe it's going to be in 10 years. I mean, I, I really don't know, but it's, uh, the trend has been up, um, for the most part, at least the general trend has been yeah. up. As long as influencers are still putting them on, I can't see it. Like as, as guilty as it sounds, like when we were going through, uh, Corona and like mid March and April, I looked on StockX. I'm like, yo, nothing is changing, right? Like they, these things are still holding their value. It's crazy. It, it really is crazy. I mean, just for us, when the COVID stuff hit, I, I, I'm going to keep it a buck. I, I actually was, was pretty worried because I didn't, you know, w we don't clock into a nine to five. I don't have a, a, a paycheck and, and, and paid leave and all that stuff. And so I was like, man, like we're just kind of out here getting it and we're doing well. But I'm like, man, if this, if this thing just crashes and, and burns, man, I'm going to have to really hustle. So Actually, I noticed the like the first week, we took really a pretty big hit, um, just with with kind of with everything that we do. I noticed that the numbers were down across the boards for us, and I think after people realized, okay, it's it's not the bubonic plague, 
um, not to downplay what it is and, and the severity of it and the seriousness of it. But I think when people realize like, okay, it's not going to be something where it's going to seep through the windows of my house and, and get me at night type of thing. Then it was like, okay, now people are stuck at home and what are they doing? They're watching more YouTube videos. They're buying more stuff, myself included. I've never been too much of a Amazon shopper and somehow I ended up buying all kinds of crazy. I bought this right here. I, like it, it, it's something that you, it's like putty and you roll it on your keyboard and it takes the dust off your keyboard. I, I don't, I didn't need that, but I bought it on, but I bought it on Amazon. Cause I'm sitting there quarantined, you know, pre, we were down here basically at the workshop at, you know, at the studio where we work and we were basically quarantined for like probably over a month straight. Like we, I was starting to go crazy. And so I think with people just at home on their computers, on their phones, you know, a lot of, uh, if you know, if you're selling a product, you know, I think that, you know, it, it made it go up even more than, um, than it was beforehand. Yeah. Online, I was going to say online has been extremely profitable for yeah. a lot of people, um, during the pandemic is unfortunately in life is life is a game of winning winners and losers. And a lot of people lost a lot during Corona, especially brick and mortar businesses and stuff like that. But yeah. the, the winners in, in Corona have been the people with online operations because mm -hmm. online all operations, right. educational platforms, courses, all that stuff. I mean, you would, you would never know there was a pandemic. It's like business, right. is, business is booming. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I think also, and you know, it's, uh, you know, I definitely feel for the people who, you know, were out of work and, and, and missed out on money. I know my, I know it hit my pops really hard as far as what he does for work and he works at a machine shop. And so he's just out of work, you know? And so it's, it, it can get really tough, but I think if if the the better you can adjust to stuff when something like that you know you can never predict something like that but when it does hit if you're like all right how can i somehow use this and turn it into some momentum in in a good direction for me and like i know some resale shops that you know started selling on instagram and got websites up and running and started doing all their online orders and i know basketball trainers that were doing online zoom training sessions and really trying to monetize on the uh, online aspect like you said so um it's it, it's been tough it's definitely been a challenging time but i think that there's been you know kind of ways to to maneuver and and you know make it work for you you know at least in some cases I know you got the uncivilized brand, the clothing brand, but I'm thinking now, any aspirations for a shoe or have any brands approached you about a collaboration? Yeah, so uh, we actually did a shoe um, with Saucony. Um, you know, growing up, I always said uh, Saucony. Saucony, I'm and like, wait, then, the Sacconis? <laughs> yeah, no, I know, maybe it's a New York thing. And then when, when we got up to their headquarters, they were like, you know, it's Saucony, so, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, now uh, we did a Saucony sneaker and it was awesome. You know, it, there was only like 120 pairs, so it was ultra, ultra limited, but nonetheless, it's still our own sneaker. The, they, they still sold out instantly pr pretty much. And, you know, we're reselling for like, you know, two or three times the retail price. So we would love to do a sneaker. You know, I, you know, I think sometimes because the YouTube thing is still 
kind of in its early stages, at least big picture wise. I think sometimes people on YouTube might might not get the respect to do a sneaker like that. Like, you know, they think, okay, that's for somebody like, you know, a designer or something like that. But um, I think that we'll definitely have stuff like that in our in our future. And we're actually working on something right now, just ourselves, where we're just going to do like a little uncivilized sneaker thing. Uh, just my brother and I, not in affiliation with any brand, just kind of our own thing. So, uh, yeah, we're definitely, you know, we're always uh, kind of thinking on that front so that, you know, it would be a dream come true to, to do something with like a Nike or someone like that. But, you know, time will tell as far yeah, as that goes. Uncivilized moving, man. The, I went on the site, man. The shirts are sold out. Right. It's, 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 well, I noticed yeah. that that's part of the, I mean, that's part of the marketing, though, because it's like it's always a release. To, it's always a limited amount, right? Like, it's not like yeah. an unlimited amount. It's like a, a like you got to get it. It's like, you know who does that, too? Um, West Side Gun. You familiar with him? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, from, um, what's their, what's their crew? Griselda. 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 They, they make yep. like $100,000 a month off merch. And I heard wow. on an in interview one time, and he was like, their, their, their marketing scheme is that they only put out a limited amount. And they'll drop it like on a random Tuesday. And it's sold wow. out by Wednesday. And they don't put it out. They only do it like one day a month. Yeah. So now wow. you create... It's like sneakers. Like, you know, you create exactly. that demand. A lot of times when people feel like it's, people are funny. Like, if it's unlimited. They ain't gonna buy it. Yeah. But if it's <laughs> unlimited, even if the price is higher, it psychologically, you feel like, I have to get in on this before yeah. it's over. Everybody does it. Uh, when artists go on tour, it's the same thing. It's like, yo, I exactly. was there for that moment. Everybody wants to yeah. capture that moment. So if he dropped that, I know he did the, the London uh, artwork on his last album. and was like, well, I was a part of that release. Everybody yeah. wants to be part of it. Cause I seen that Mike. Tyson, I need that yeah. Mike Tyson. That Mike Tyson hoodie that you had. That was uh, that was hard. I think that uh, was last year. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have to send you guys some stuff. You know, uh, you know, once once we wrap up, I'll get your guys sizes and stuff. But it's we uh, yeah, we do. We keep everything limited. We do it for two reasons. One is because obviously we recognize that you know we're not a Nike you know brand name, so that type of demand is not there. So we we try to meet the demand, but we try not to go over that because it is just my brother and I, we're putting up all our own bread. We don't wanna have, you know, uh, 5,000 pieces in the back storage room here that we're just sitting on for, for nothing. So we do keep stuff limited and it also helps us keep the, the quality control really good because it is just him and I, and we're doing all the shipping ourselves and, um, so it, it just lets us operate in, in a functional and, and, and practical way. But yeah, yeah, we, we pretty much keep everything pretty limited. So what's the, what's the scaling model? How, what's your vision for, for the brand, uh, moving forward in the next year, five years? Like, how do you see, how do you see the brand, um, growing? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess we have some goals, but also we're kind of just, moving with things and we know that if we work hard and keep putting in the work that we'll end up where we're supposed to be we try not to get too rigid in like our path because you know maybe something you know stuff comes up and and things change and you know maybe it's better to shift over this way a little bit and you know it's like I think it was Bruce Lee, right, who says you got to be like water, right? You know, like we're, we're just kind of trying to flow with things and um, kind of see where where things go. Definitely, we want to continue to grow the uncivilized brand. 
um, we're working to open up a coffee shop. That's something that, that, that I'm passionate about as well. And we're looking at maybe having like kind of a little bit of a speakeasy vibe where we finally have an uncivilized retail space kind of off in the cut, like a little secret, um, you know, like, yeah, like you've got to, you go through the bathroom and it's like on the left hand side. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, you got to give them the password through the door, but, um, so we're working on some stuff like that. The, 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 the main thing is just keep creating content, keep paying attention to what's going on and keep trying to outwork anyone else who's, who's next to us, not even on some, we don't want them to do well type of thing. You know, we want everyone to eat, but that's just what's um, worked for us, not just in the sneaker thing, but in basketball, in, in a lot of stuff. You know, when we got up to school up in Massachusetts, I was saying the same thing. I was coming from LaSalle Academy on the Lower East Side. I thought we had a good team there. And then when I when I got up to school, I was like, man, these dudes are, are next level good. But I just worked and worked and worked until I was on the court and, and getting a lot of minutes and playing. And so that that's that's the same idea right now. And that's the same vision long term is man, let's just, you know, outwork the competition and 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 see where it goes, see where we end up. One last question before we finish. I I, I noticed that you you do more stuff on YouTube than you do on Instagram. Um any particular reason why you why you're more active on YouTube? You know, that's that that that's one of the the flaws right now actually. My brother and I were just talking about how I have to get the Instagram uh jumping a lot more. You know, I almost never post on my main feed. I keep the the Instagram story pretty active, but the the Instagram main feed is is not something that I focus on at all and honestly right now it's been kind of like a time thing and I'm super I guess picky about the quality. I don't want to just, you know, post stuff that I don't feel like meets a certain standard. So a lot of times we won't have time to, you know, go take an hour and, you know, take some really dope shots of a sneaker or, you know, we just haven't really fitted into our current workflow and stuff. So I definitely want to start doing more on Instagram and, and on other platforms as well, because I think, the more content, the more platforms, the better. So um, th- th- that's something that we'll be focusing on, uh, you know, to finish the year for sure. I-, I can't let you leave without asking you the number one question. Your What's top that? five sneakers, man. Come on. Ah, man. You know, you-, you you can't ask a sneaker guy that I'm sure you can relate. There- there's-, there's so <laughs> many. To- there's so many to pick from, but I would say probably, um, you know, for me, w- when I think of a top five, it's more like. Uh, nostalgia and, and sentimental reasons, you know. So, like for me, the Jordan 11, the the black and red pair, the the bread 11s, that was the first Jordan sneaker that I ever bought with my own money, um, in like 2001. So, uh, that's uh, that's in there. I think I would probably put um, the Air Max 120, which is a sneaker that a lot of people don't know about. It's it's kind of that that Spider-Man looking Air Max. That has like it, it has like a there's different colors, but the, it had the, the sunrise like, colors on it, right? It's what did it have the sunrise colors? Yeah, 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 the sunrise. So I that was the, the first Air Max sneakers that I ever had back in '98. So it's stuff like that, but um, I think you almost have to put you know an Air Force One in there just for the culture, just for the 
the longevity and and it's been a mainstay forever. Um, other than that, man, oh, it's tough. It's tough. The answer one, the, the Iverson answer one. Uh, there's a couple of the, the 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 penny sneakers, the early penny sneakers that I was in love with. Uh, the Bo Jackson. I'm looking over here to my right because a lot of my favorite sneakers we, hang, we hang them up. Yeah. Uh, we hang them up in the rafters down here. So there's a uh, and then you know. I, I gotta throw uh, the, the the Saucony sneaker that we did just because we did it, you know. Um, you gotta do it. So that th- there's like twelve. That, that <laughs> <answer> five. <laughs> all fire, all yeah, fire. I mean, I would say, I would say, I'm not a sneaker aficionado, but um, like sneakers, because sneakers, I feel like sneakers used to mean a lot more to, in the for like, it's like music. Like I'm old school, I'm '90s. Like you know what I'm saying, I remember right. when sneakers first came out, and it meant it meant so much to the to the culture like now it's like yeah. those sneakers are being re-released yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah. but the chris webbers um yeah. monumental, uh, which, monumental, which ones the like the first one the golden state when he's in golden state yeah those are hard. the chris webbers the andre agassiz hard oh yeah the, the agassiz are tough hard. the andre agassiz is tough the bug bunny jordans the bugs bunny yeah. joints hard yeah um those That's a new york classic yeah yeah, yeah. New York classic, Bo Jackson's, the orange and blue. Bo orange and yeah, That's what's hanging. Right, they're, they're, they're right here. I got them. I got them. I got them in the next room, bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fire. And um, you got to go with the Air Max. I think the three sixty one with the air bubble all the way around. Was that the? They've had a couple of those. The ones, um, the ninety six. No, that's oh, ninety six. No. The um, oh, oh, the ninety five. Ninety ninety five. Yeah. I'm surprised you didn't have the ninety fives in there. The 95, or, or you might be th- you you might be thinking about the 95 or the 97. The air bubble's broken up a little bit, but it basically go. The, you, you're thinking about the 97. 97. Yeah, the 95. 97. I I thought that you would say that every every like you gotta have a 95 in there. And, and you know probably and and my whenever this comes up, my my brother always throws the 95 in there. You probably have to have it in there. Honestly, it's just it, it's so tough to, to to narrow it down, but. The '95 is another New York City classic. You know? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you one. And um, shout out to um, what's my man's name from Seattle, uh, Mclemore. He's the only one who's ever put this shoe in his tops. The Nike Spiridon. Uh, yeah. Again, I mean, it's a, it, it's one of those sleepers, but it's it's, it's a classic. It's, I bought like five different colors of that shoe. It's so comfortable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I'm with you. The greatest shoe ever made, the Jordan 11. But remember those Adidas with remember there those Adidas with the sock that came out. And it was different colors. Oh, the, I think those are the Adidas so, like XLT or something that was, like that. that was Remember they, they had the socks? Like, it was like blue, black. Like you could have like yeah, different yeah, yeah, socks yeah, yeah, yeah. in it. That was, that's, that's real 90s. Yeah, yeah that was that's the real 90s. 90s. See, I'm a 90s. I'm a product of the yeah. 90s. <laughs> and, and, well, so we got the 11. I got number one. Bo Jackson's obviously. But like you said, when I watched, I still have this game on tape. Arizona played Kentucky in the 96 championship. When Mike Bibby had on these blue sneakers that I couldn't figure out what they were, I said, what is that? What is that? That ended up being the pennies. I was the gonna phone, say, was it the, the pennies? Yeah. The original phone posit. That had that's in my top yeah. five. Is that why your name is Fomer Simpson? One hundred percent. Is that after, it was named after so, after Bibby or, or or actual Anthony Hardaway? Just after the phone posit. So when we were starting the YouTube channel, I was like, all right, well, you know, I gotta you know put a name in. And again, we weren't looking at it big picture wise. So and at the time, I had a bunch of foams, you know, right on the on the floor next to me. And I was like, hey, Fomer Simpson with it. So, and then, and then, um, you know, it, it, it kind of just went from there. But yeah, it's funny because I, I rarely wear foams now, but, you know, obviously the, uh, you know, the YouTube name don't change. Yeah. Fomer Simpson, yeah. that's vintage. So, 
Mr. Foma Simpson, it's been a pleasure. How can the people contact you? Uh, well, not contact you, but what's your social media handles? Uh, all that information. Uh, how right. can they? Uh, yeah, get aware of what's going on. Any any initiatives that you you got going on? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, Mr. Former Simpson on YouTube. That's the the main platform. Mr. Former Simpson on Twitter and Instagram. My brother and I have a podcast also where we talk about. Um, non-sneaker related stuff, like more just like, uh, you know, music, movies, food, all of the stuff that's part of the same culture, but, um, you know, not sneakers per se. And uh, that's the Foamy and Buckets unnamed podcast. And uh, that's been really fun to do. But, you know, pretty much just Mr. Former Simpson across the boards. If 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 you search, uh, you'll be able to find me. Dope. Troy, housekeeping item? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That is our Proud to Pay program. You already know what time it is. If you're tier four or five, that gives you access to EYL University, our online school, the number one online business school in the universe. That's what we're going with now. We're not doing the world anymore, the universe. Yeah. So shout out to everybody that's part of that. And shout, about, shout out to everybody that's part of our Facebook group. Uh, we got our private book club. We got our, uh, well, we got Breaking Bread with MG, the mortgage guy. That's clicking off. So we appreciate everyone's support and everyone that's supporting the merch. Shadi got the new EYL U yeah, University EYL. We, merch we, we on. Gonna, we gonna get you some merch, Mike. Yeah, yeah let's do so it. Let's everybody do it. that's been sure. supporting that, it's all love. We appreciate it greatly. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Oh yeah, don't forget if you're listening on Apple, we need you to do three things: subscribe, like, and review, 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 review. 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 That's extremely important. Um, YouTube, same thing. Hit the like button. Um, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys for your support. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.